Hi, thanks for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I've been working with food businesses for 35 years and now I'm taking you behind the scenes in my business to connect with some of the great specialists, entrepreneurs and producers that we work with to hear how we create strategies that inspire business and how we help them create the perfect teams for specific projects and for their business as it grows so that they can get great results faster and much more cost effectively with our support than they would on their own. I truly believe the food industry in the UK has some of the best people in it and I'm lucky enough to know and work with the very best of those. Let me introduce you to Deborah O'Neill, our accountant who helps us and works with many of our clients too, making sure they have all their legal obligations in terms of tax and accounts met, but also working with them throughout the year, contributing to their forecasting, budgeting and offering financial advice. Deborah loves food, which always helps in her conversations with us. She's a great network and a strong sense of what is commercial and is a very valued member of our team. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Nice to hear. Nice to get a chance to speak to you. You and I met a number of years ago through a networking organisation that we were both part of and other people within that organisation referred you to me because they knew that you were good at what you do and that you knew quite a bit about food businesses and about anything specialist that we needed to know. Can you tell me how you describe the work that you do to other people? So the work that I do as an accountant, I will do all the normal things that you would expect an accountant to do, which would be to produce your annual accounts, to to get involved maybe with your quarterly VAT returns, corporation tax, do personal tax, all the sort of normal things. But what I think and what my clients come back to me and say that they really appreciate is that I like to get involved in people's businesses. Ideally, I want to add value rather than being that necessary evil, the one at the end of the year, which, you know, you have to pay that fee for because you have to have accounts done and be produced. I want to be a bit more than that. I want to get involved with people's businesses so I can add value. And by doing that, I think, you know, a, a small business cannot afford to have a finance person employed full time, but they do need those services. And often I will work, you know, if, we, if a company is fairly new, we work on the startup, we're, we're looking at their um, budgeting, looking at their forecasting, trying to understand so that they understand the true cost of running their business. Sometimes it's quite easy if you sell products, you can actually say, right, okay, my, my you know, the cost to make that product is X, and therefore I want a, a markup of Y, and therefore it's quite easy then to actually sort of start doing your pricing. But the downside of that is often that people don't really know and understand what their costs are. So it's working with those people. All the additional costs. All the additional costs or just understanding. Um, I always use an example of a lady that I once met that was came to me and she was so excited because she had just got this, what she thought was the most amazing deal with Costco. And she's saying, I'm doing so well, you know, Costco have recognised me and they want me to, you know, they want to have my products in their shop. And then we looked at her pricing and she was really, really excited. And she said, but they want this amount of volume and whatever. 
So then we started to look and we went into quite a bit, a lot of detail about, you know, the fact that she would have to move kitchens because she had to do a lot more manufacturing, bigger size of everything. And it worked out that actually she would have made a loss of about 50p per item. And she was absolutely astounded. And, and, and that meant really she had to cancel that Costco order. But if we hadn't gone through that and got her to really understand her numbers, you know, she would have been, you know, too much, she, she would have had to sign this contract and go through and supply these goods for a period of time at a loss. So, which is catastrophic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the thing that I really enjoy doing is actually working with clients to actually get them to understand the numbers of their business. They know their, their, their business, they know their products, they know their services, but it's getting them to understand the costs associated with it. So that's where I think, you know, um, and, and Jane, I think that's where we've, we, we've come together on, on various occasions and, and done that. We've worked with other cl- some of your clients and you've brought me on board and we've looked at those sort of things. And I think that's where I believe that I sort of add value. And that's what I enjoy about what I do. I would agree with that 100%. And I would also say you're also you're also very good at networking, which, you know, which isn't a necessary feature for an accountant, but it's a really useful one for us because you see people that you think we could help and you connect us. And if I need another service too, I would very often ask you because I know that you've got other clients and other networks and things. So, you know, you are a connector to for a lot of people I'm sure well I think because because I, I don't specialize in a particular area it just so happens that I do you know there is quite a lot of food food businesses that I do work with but as we are a general practice so we work with with clients in all different areas and different forms so it's quite handy I have this sort of database of, of people that you can refer in you know be it sort of you know starting from your hairdressers or your beauticians but you know the traders you know we've got tend to have one of everything including the sort of funeral directors and the embalmers which is always oh, we don't need that yet. <laughs> But you but, know, yeah. it is it is there, and and yeah, and, and networking is, is is quite big. Up, I mean, I I enjoy people, so yeah, that's why and that I shows, it. I think, yeah, and how you work with people. So yeah, no, I think that's good. How did you end up as an accountant? What was your mm-hmm. journey? What age were you when it became apparent that was what you were going to do, or did you set out to do it? There was no master plan at all. Strangely enough, I, I, I did an arts degree, but accountancy wasn't on my radar at all back then. But I ended up taking a job to fill, fill in some time whilst I was going to be this most amazing ceramicist, you know, famous, which never quite happened. But I took this job in an office and I worked with this gentleman. It just uh, just sort of basic, basic bookkeeping type skills. He, he was amazing, actually, and he, he saw in me something that I, I'd never thought, I'd never really thought of. And he asked if I um, would be interested in, in doing some additional exams, some different qualifications to actually look at accountancy. And when I actually started, I thought, actually, this is something that I do, I do enjoy. And it is, even though the creative side isn't there, it can be to a certain extent. And I ended up taking those qualifications and going into more of a creative environment when I went to work in the BBC. And so I had a bit of both. I had my creativity there and also um, 
you know, as an accountant. But no, there was no grand plan. There was no master plan. It's amazing though, isn't it? How somebody good can inspire you. He was amazing. And, uh, you know, and that sort of started my my career. So by that stage, I was in sort of my mid-20s and I sort of qualified by the time, I think I was about 28, 29. And, and I've always remained in the in the industry since then, always, uh, you know, accountancy, and came into practice when I had um, my children because I wasn't able to do a full-time job all of the time. And then when I had my children, I ended up working in a practice and started sort of part-time. And then th- things have developed over the last 20 years. And then we took over this practice 10 years ago. Mm. It's fantastic, isn't mm. it? It's amazing how... It happens, but also the way you've been able to make it fit everything else that you were trying to do and fit around the rest of your life as well. And it's such an amazing qualification to have because once you have it, you've got it for your life. You know, it's there. You you do have to do training and, you know, and, and as you go along, you have to keep abreast of all the different regulations and, 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 and rules that are out there. But at the same time, once you've got that qualification, you have got it. And it's just, you know it's be with you yeah yeah and then what you what happens is that because you're working with like you've said a number of food businesses or a type of business you you learn things about them that then repeat in other businesses like definitely definitely and it does help actually it does help I mean I know working with you, you Jane and we've worked on various different projects and it's been you know and like you say you learn from one that you to put into something else and develop or, or, you know, I mean, I've I've learned things from you that I now know to look for whenever we start a conversation with somebody and, you know, which is great yeah. too, just to, because I mean, like you were saying earlier on about the person with the Costco deal. I mean, there are two ways that that can go. Either you don't take the deal or you go back to them and you explain yeah. all your costs to yeah. them. And if your product is really unique and they really want it, then they might move on the price of it with you. Or also because they're guaranteeing you a certain amount of business, sometimes you can do deals with your suppliers and Mm. things to get things better. But you have to have that information Mm. up front to know. And I think Mm. too many people, there was a guy on Dragon's Den a while ago who knew his cost price for his product, but had agreed a deal with Sainsbury's where he was selling it to them for a penny less than he was making it for. Mm -hmm. Because he thought that at (laughs) some point... Mm that would work in his favour, you know, and and Mm. A, it stopped him getting investment because who's going to give money to somebody that's giving away money, Mm. you know? Um, But I also don't think it reflects very well on on the other businesses. All these things have to balance for everybody. If there isn't that mutual agreement that works for everybody, then you won't have... You won't, they won't be able to supply you. Mm-mm. They'll drop you as soon as they can get somebody else, all of those kind of things. And and so it, it has to be a relationship that everybody wins in as mm. well. But as mm. you say, you need to know all your numbers for that to be. Well, yeah, I mean, you need to know your numbers. And, and, and if, say you could offer your service, you could offer your, offer your product or whatever, uh, maybe uh, uh, making, you know, margins, you know, so there's no profit, no loss, if you think that that's going to get you into something and to generate future business. But, you know, you can only do that for so long and you'd have to have a real plan and that's got to be really set in stone to what you're actually doing so that you understand how long that could last. I mean, some people have products that are loss leaders. They get them in there so that they can sell their other things. But, other things in. But, but 
you know, they've got to understand what they're actually doing, you know. And sometimes and, too, when you start, retailers and people won't take big orders from you. Yeah. So you have to deliver smaller amounts more often, which mm. costs you money. Mm. But if you know that if you do all your marketing, your social media and pull customers in to buy that product, mm. then they'll increase their orders and then that will be eradicated. That's fine. But I think you also have to communicate that to them. And Yeah. And sometimes th- those economies of scale do work. You know, you know, once you get a bigger order and, and, and more volume thrown in, you know, your unit costs go, go down in price. But again, it's understanding all of that and making sure you've got a good financial model in place that actually can give you that information so that you don't, keep carrying on selling at a loss no. or, or, or not. And, and it can be a hard decision to make too sometimes because mm. all your life you're chasing business. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I had the chocolate brownie business and a customer company came to us when we'd sent them chocolate brownies as a gift and that we'd made and asked us to supply them, one of the retailers. And we started it and we were only in 15 stores and then it was so successful it went all store. But their logistics at that time were not geared up to dealing with small producers. And they had us delivering always overnight, which I get because Mm -hmm. they want their smaller orders coming in when their smaller shifts are there. They weren't using consolidators. So we had to pay for that delivery and things. And very quickly, I realized that it actually didn't make sense for us. Mm -hmm. And so the company that had, had been the reason that we started a brownie business, I had to go to them and say, it doesn't, doesn't actually work. make sense for us no. to supply you and we're going to stop supplying you and we're just going to do it online and we'll do the bulk orders into corporate gifting and things like that that mm. we can do. But it's a really fresh product. It's hard for you because you don't want to stock huge amounts of it, but you want it all the time. Right, yeah. But And I mean, now they use consolidators. So if you're a small producer, you'll be told to drop your stuff at somebody yes, else's and they'll yeah. manage all those deliveries for you, which is great. Mm. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And it's a really difficult thing to mm. tell a retailer you don't want to work with them or you yeah. can't work with them yeah. because it just seems wrong. It does. It does. It seems wrong. And, 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 and it feels like you fail. But at the same time, you know, Often on small business owners, and they, it's, it's very emotional. It's very, very emotional. And often the emotions outweigh the sort of true realities of things. And, 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 and it is sort of sometimes, and that's why it's quite good to have that financial support to somebody, a sort of somebody else looking, who takes out the emotion of those numbers, yeah. takes out the emotion of everything. Just so says this doesn't stack up. up. And it's quite necessary. And also as a sort of third party, you're not directly involved in it. You can say those things because it isn't it isn't from there and it gives people a different perspective on their business i think Mm. it's true now you know that i love reading business books and Mm. in fact i spend my life (laughs) between business and personal development and don't really understand why people read novels but um (laughs) and and i know (laughs) that is the one thing that we do not share in common isn't it um aside from what you might have read who do you see in business that you'd like what they do and think, I like that? Either, you know, somebody well-known or somebody that you work with that you think, I like how they do that or that's a good thing. Who have you learned from? Uh, they're, they're, they're the people that I quite admire in business who have the, who have sort of started from scratch, have had that motivation and that business, that's all that, I suppose is what it is, that entrepreneurial 
skills to actually start something and move forward. I'm working with somebody actually currently at the moment, food related as well, who sort of started in lockdown, had had an idea pre-lockdown, and then by the time it sort of got ready to launch, we were in lockdown. And for a lot of people, that would have just turned them and switched off and said they can't do it. And he had this desire and will to actually get this thing moving. And in fact, in his first 12 months, you know, he, he went from zero to having a turnover of over two million, which was incredible on one small product. Um, and that's and that's difficult to manage too with all the cash flow and everything. Unbelievable. And that's actually somebody working with quite quite a lot that, you know, I have actually, even though you know, I, I give the sort of financial side and we are looking at cash flows constantly and whatever. But I've learned a lot from him to have that real business acumen that, you know, then that they're not going to give up. They're not going to to decide when somebody says no to them that that's the end, you know, and they keep yeah. on moving and keep, keep, keep on trying and finding something else to do and finding different ways. That's right. Different ways of operating. And I think it's really inspiring. He has sort of inspired me recently at, on that level, mm-hmm. even though, you know, he's come to me and I'm giving all the sort of finance stuff and he's looking to me to ask and how he, watching how he operates. His mindset yeah. is, yeah. And over the over the years, I've met quite, you know, various people, I suppose, like that, that started a business from scratch, which I think is quite ter- can be quite terrifying, you know. And I think I've always admired somebody who has that, idea and actually gets it out there and actually starts doing it and producing and doing what they they believe in and what they want to do and that's also on services as well as products you know um so in recent years because i've worked with lots of small businesses and 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 those ones that that have that 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 entrepreneurial spirit to keep you know I do learn. I learn quite a lot of, of, of their business processes and, and what they do and how they do it and how they continue. Because I think a small business, those people working there, they're quite incredible. Anyone can go and work in a larger organisation and just be this cog in this wheel. And for them, it could be good and, and it will work. But it's those small, those individuals and those people who have this, this vision and actually work with that vision and, and, and progress. So they're the people that I think I learn a lot from. Um, more than those ones in the books, Jane, that just, you know, but, you know, this is the sort of the, the real people that are out there doing the day-to-day people. And I think I've seen so many people, and lockdown's been, uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic has been a real good example of that. Those ones who have achieved and continued, they've had to look, they've had to look at their businesses, they've had to change quite quickly, they've had to work with in different ways. A lot of people have had to go online and do things in really different ways. And I find them are quite quite inspiring because they weren't going to give up and just pack no. it in. They've tried different and things. And I think, too, if you can manage to grow a business at that time, then oh. you're really on to something. It's amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Amazing. Which is great, yeah. isn't it? Mm. No, that's mm. good. That's a good good answer. What would you say if I said too much of something is never enough? What would that thing be for you? <laughs> Spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> Food. Yeah, all food. <laughs> um, too much. What? No. Actually, I mean, Jane, you know, I like to eat, so it's it's <laughs> it's um too much. Of that. Going out to dinner, I suppose that would yep. be like that. You can never, never. You can never. No, never, never get enough of that. Never go. And actually, and and, 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 and maybe sort of associated with that is sort of like the travelling and going around to um 
experience different finding new places. places yeah yeah no that's good that that makes sense people often talk about stepping outside their comfort zone and you know people say you have to step outside your comfort zone to be successful Mm. what when you look back now what have you done that has surprised you that if you'd thought about it you would have thought no I don't think I would ever do that and you've sort of pushed yourself to yeah I think I think for me it's always and it's always been and I used to do it I have to do it quite a lot when I sort of worked more in the corporate world, is that public speaking, is that standing up and presenting to a big room of people. It's always, and still to this day, it is outside my comfort zone. I will do it, but it's not something that I feel that I want to, you You're know, excited, excited about. You've been asked not to at do. all. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> do you know, I think most people are like that. People often say to mm. me, oh, I don't really like networking. And mm. I say, I've yet to find anyone who gets excited about having to walk into a room where they don't know anybody. Mm. Do you know? I mean, it, mm. it's rare, but you go along because you're interested in people and you know that if you start talking to people, you'll find out things yeah. about them. And The talking, the getting to sort of like, I mean, I, I'm not so bad if, if I'm in a room of, you know, going into a room of people and just trying to find somebody to talk to. And that's not so bad for me. Um, I, I actually quite enjoy that and meeting new people. That that's not so bad. It's the when I'm standing on a stage, standing in the stage when everybody, you know, I am the focus of attention. And you know, often people say, "Well, it's okay if you know what you're talking about," but it's not just that. It's just that fear of, I, 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 you know, you're out there and 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 everyone can see you, and it's just. And you and you you also have to think. I mean, I know from stuff that I've done for TV. Mm. particularly where you know it's going to be recorded, it's going to be shown again. A couple of weeks ago, people started phoning me saying, oh, we've just seen you on TV. And I was thinking, what? <laughs> and then it was something from a year ago that they'd shown a year ago and they'd just redone. And I'm, I'm actually waiting for something else to come out. And I thought at first it was going to be that, mm. but it wasn't. It was this thing. But, you know, then you're about to give your opinion about something and you think, am I 100% sure that I know that's right? Or is it just... <laughs> my yes, opinion yes, yes, or yes. because it's going to be around for a long time <laughs> if it's not right <laughs> you know and I think <laughs> and sometimes you know an interviewer will say so when you said that did you mean this and you have to kind of think back then you go no <laughs> no I didn't mean that because you've got to be careful yeah. and I, I find that yeah uncomfortable yes but yeah but, but you actually quite happy to be I mean I've seen you present on a, on, on a variety of occasions and you you seem you know you I would like to be feel like I would look like how you look up and you know the comfort you know because it's, it's, it's I'm a still feeling thing. sick so, if it's any consolation. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite good to know in some ways, you know. You know, and yeah. Jacqueline Rogers and I, she came with me on a cruise ship where I did some talks once. I normally have done the prep. I know what I'm mm. going to talk about. I'll have a, a set of bullet points, but I don't really want to be constantly reading notes. And I sometimes have just got the bullet points on a cue card or something mm. so that if I forget or lose my place, mm. I can look at it. And on this particular cruise ship, there was a big lecture theatre with a lectern and everything. And I never stood in front of the lectern. I just stood to the side because I had a headset microphone on. One day she said to me, you stood at the lectern the whole time. And I said... It was a super choppy day crossing the Atlantic. <laughs> I was having to hold on to stay there. And you can see she was videoing me. Mm. And you can see the video, the <laughs> curtains behind me on the stage are going like this. <laughs> and of course, sensibly, I'd worn a pair of high heeled shoes. Oh, so I was lady. trying to stay upright, you know. 
But uh, generally, the thought of it, and if you know your subject and you know that, yeah. you know, you're comfortable talking about it, you've checked all your facts, you've done your, your homework first, then yeah. Yeah. just do it. Uh, the TV yeah. stuff is frightening and I quite often get pulled into television companies to comment on live news situations there horse meat scandal, all those kind of things. Sometimes mm. right at the beginning of them when you're not exactly sure, sure what, what has happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's, you know, and they go, oh, it's okay. She's really nice. She'll just ask you a couple of questions. And then they ask you an absolute stinker to start with. And you think, hmm, I don't know how this is going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. somebody at a television company on the horse meat thing said, if they found horse meat in food, does that mean they'll find human DNA too? And I sort of thought, what? And she just said that to me. And then I said, fortunately, I thought quickly. And I said, yeah, of course you will, because people will have touched that food to make it for you. So there will be human DNA in it, which isn't what she meant. meant yeah. But yeah. it got me over, over that, that bit. But yeah, I thought, oh, yeah. now I know how you're playing. You yeah, know, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but, you know, it can be not, not easy no. sometimes. What have you learned about yourself? What have you worked found now that you're good at that because I think when we're good at something we often assume everybody's good at it it's not you know what have you learned that you're good at you maybe didn't realize for a long time was such a skill Mm. that you maybe wish you'd known or paid more attention to when you were younger well the thing is I think with age you you sort of lose quite a bit of your your inhibitions and and things as you as you get older and, and therefore I think one of my skills, I, I think I'm, I am a good people person. I am quite good at talking and being with different people of different age groups and being able to, to have some input and relate to different people of different age groups. And I think that's developed over time. So I would have said now, if I had realised that I could do this and, and, and this, this was a, a skill that I could have developed earlier on, then maybe you know, it could have assisted in, in things when I was younger. However, I think age has given me that anyway. You know, I yeah. think as you get older, you're not so worried about, and I don't mean this, you know, not so worried about what other people think, or no. you're not so worried you're about... You're confident who, yeah, about that's yourself. Right. Unfortunately, you do think, I would have loved to have been how I am now when I was in my 20s, when I looked so, you know, you know, life was different and you could have been out there a bit more. So I think, you know, for me, it's, it's just that general confidence. Um, and I think, you know, having, I wish I knew when I was younger that I did have that ability to talk to people yeah. and, and encourage people. And that that people wasn't something that people. everyone had. No. I think that's what you assume. If you've got something that you find straightforward yeah. you imagine everybody does yeah and so you know you you know I was quite reserved you know in my 20s I suppose and you, you're not you're not out there so much yeah and I suppose that was a skill if I could turn back time I'd like to be have my confidence when I was in my 20s so that it could no stopping just, you yeah, but you've done been. very well anyway mm. I would say well, so <laughs> thank you what's the best thing you've eaten recently it can be at home, it can oh, be out. Now oh that we're gosh. out of lockdown and restaurants are open again, at yeah. least we have that option. Where's Where's there been a meal that you thought, wow, or what new ingredient have you found? Well, did I, I made something at home that I, I really enjoyed. Just, I, and I haven't eaten lamb in the longest time. And I did this really nice um, lamb dish the other day. That was quite nice. But let's think, when I've been out... 
Oh, I was out and I had some amazing soft shell crab. Yeah. And what it was, was it? How was it cooked? What was done? It was just, I mean, it had, it was definitely um, had sort of uh, some form of sort of like chili coating on it, which yep. was lovely. Quite basics, I suppose. Other than that, it was just sort of just, it, it, but it Simple was, food, well done, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and I just, ha- yeah, and that was not, I couldn't, I, w- I wanted more and more of that. I could have mm. sat there and just had a great big So that was something that wasn't enough. No, yeah. that is definitely, yeah, something that wasn't enough. In Ealing, there's a lovely Japanese restaurant called Kiraku, which means mm. relax, and they do a sushi roll mm. like a normal nori roll mm. and it has hot soft shell crab in the middle of it and the rice is all cool and mm. and it's just that contrast of temperatures mm. and the crunch of the you know yeah, the, just, the crab yeah. and yeah it's lovely. lovely i love that yeah and it's such a clever thing because you know it's super fresh because the crab's still hot but everything else is I cool tell you what i had somewhere else actually very recently and this is quite bizarre and i, I when I ordered it, I wasn't sure, and it's quite a weird thing, but I had a lobster lasagna. Oh, that does sound it good. It was incredible. Absolutely Were you by incredible. the sea or were you? No, I was up in no. town in, in London. It was, it was just it was a, an Italian restaurant, a small little restaurant that oh, a friend of mine knew. And, um, yeah, lobster lasagna. And when you think about it, when I looked at it on the menu, I thought, I'm, I'm not sure whether that would be right. Yes, but it really but it was. was. It was well, that's so good, good, isn't it? It's yeah. lovely. I my restaurant menu choices are always what would be an effort to make at home. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll have that when yeah. I'm out. Yeah, I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You yeah. and I also had a really good meal at Twenty Six Grains with Tom Sensi's yes, food. Yes, that was really all good. those different small plates. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. I love eating it? like that. That's my favourite way of eating. So you can t- yeah. have all the different lots. tastes, textures, lots of different. Yeah. And, and it's not like gambling, you know, normally, because like you say about the lobster lasagna, mm. you could have ordered that and it might have been rubbish, rubbish and then yeah, that's yeah. your shot gone. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Whereas I think at least if it's a lot of small plates, yeah. one you might not be as mad on, others you love. But actually, in it's that good, case, yeah. everything was good. So it was a, a real bonus, wasn't it? That was very good, yeah. yeah. What would you tell somebody starting a business? So say, let's say starting a food business, what would you say... Make sure early on you do this. If you don't do anything else, make sure you do this. Understand your costs. Do a business plan. Do a financial plan. Actually work out your unit costs. Understand from the very start what are your direct costs, the direct costs associated with making that product. Your overheads, you know, your overheads, which are your fixed costs, you know, you should know quite, quite easily, you know, if it's rent, you know, you know, there's some telephone, you know, if you need some staffing costs, what those staff costs are, but, you know, you need to build all of that, but really feel confident what the cost is, the unit cost of making your product or delivering your service. But in food wise, it's made that what the unit costs are of making that product. And that's quite hard. Do you think old people say, oh, I know that, I know that. But actually, when they sit down and work out and put everything into it, um, you know, often it's yeah. a surprise. Yeah, and it and it is as you say, do it and do it with it. Get an outside eye to look over it because then somebody will go, "What about this? Is there no packaging cost involved?" And in a lot that? in the or, food industry is wastage. Yeah. People don't actually yeah. allow for the wastage, and and that's often a big thing. You know, I've seen people say it will cost me X, Y, and Z. You know, and they do a tray bake and that she only using. 
two thirds of it really because yeah. of the size, and then all the rest is wasted. And you think, well, how much does that actually cost in your detail? Do I need to include that as well? You know, yes, you do because that's what you're making. You know, so. And in a perfect world, you find something else to make that uses all the edges. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. In some yeah. Way, or, or just understand, you know, yeah. and therefore find and that. build in a percentage, percentage and then keep yeah. an eye on that yeah. percentage yeah. because if that shifts, you know, I mean, at the moment, all the costs that are shifting on things, fuel costs oh, and, gosh. you know, logistics costs, staffing costs, yeah. all these things are shifting. You need to update those figures and you need to be on it. So you do a start. Speaking to a manufacturer yeah. yesterday that was, you know, contacting all their customers and telling them how much things would have to go up by if yeah. they wanted them to continue supplying because of all the cost increases they've borne in the last couple of months. So even though you have that start starting plan, that plan is not you've done it and that's yeah. it. Okay, you've got Ignore to be reviewing, and monitoring, and and updating on a continuous basis, and it is yep. so important. And you'll be surprised how few people actually do that. You know, a lot of them. And that's where having good software too, because you know, because it is, it's all time. Yeah, yeah. I know, and that's where, and as I said before, you know, when the sort of a finance person could come in for you, you can't afford to have that all the time, but you can afford to have a little bit of it, you know, because you know it it will create more value for you than than just sort of and some software that makes it easier for you to do it and means that you've got those numbers yeah, to hand. hand. So even yeah. if it is just a spreadsheet and somebody's set it up for you, yeah. it knows what they're doing. Yeah, you can plug something it Something yeah. because, you know, because it can be otherwise you think, oh, I really need to do that, but I don't, I, yeah, it's yeah. time consuming and I've got 15 other things to do and I'm the van driver today. And, but you do have to sort of stop and do. Yeah. yeah. If you could sum yourself up in three words, they don't need to link. What three words would you say describe you? Three words. Autumn. Um, sociable. And food. Good. Three good <laughs> words from me. Autumn, why? Um, favourite time of year? Favourite time of year and also the colours of autumn. And they are my colours. So yeah, they, they so you're are a very a much an autumn, autumn person. person. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's good, isn't it? I think mm. it's lovely because a lot of people are summer people mm. and love summer. And, and I mean, I love warm nights and sunshine mm. and you mm. know finishing work and being able to sit out in the warmth and everything. But I'm a winter person and I love winter too. A nice crisp dry day mm. and you know and all the colours of winter and the coming home mm. and it's dark and it's funny isn't it it's good it's good that we all can see yes. different things yeah. in different times but it's the colors of autumn I yeah think. colors of autumn the weather in autumn i like autumn just those first when you're starting getting your big woolies out and you've got your boots on and 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 i love autumn clothes i like yeah. that i like yeah i just like autumn <laughs> good good that's great thank you very much for doing that you're welcome Thank you for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you've enjoyed or connect to us on social media at Jane Milton Food. If you found it interesting, please share the details with other food businesses you know. We always love meeting new food businesses. 
See you next episode.